everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lawyer Lifter Podcast. And this is another kind of play on what Mel would have said to Mel in her early 20s. Um, If you were listening in last week, we talked about um, the top three uh, like tips on what you should be doing if you decide to be a competitive powerlifter as a female. Um, and I had hinted last week about, you know, doing the same thing on a professional, personal level, because sometimes those things, at least in my experience, they bleed into one another. And in my industry, the legal industry, I think it it's very important for the young women uh, to, to hear like an old lady talk about what um, I would have said to myself starting out or what I'm seeing, you know, in the new blood, in the new generation of female attorneys. And so a little bit of context here is that as the owner of Uplift Law, um, I'm doing things a little bit different than the typical structure of law firms where uh, it's very much uh, favored to incorporate more seasoned or mid-level, mid-tier attorneys because they already have a foundation and you kind of just have to tweak things. So, you know, I do, I have a seasoned attorney here. I have a junior associate. She'll be three years in practice, one year of real litigation with my firm. So she's still in that like junior level, moving to just associate level. And then I have an intern who's about to take the bar in July of 2022. So, but I have decided that I would much rather just focus on the new generation versus putting all of my bass, all of my eggs in getting those sort of seasoned or mid-tier attorneys. And I think that it's the best way because I can already sort of talk to them about the calling of uplift law, what we stand for, you know, how I like to litigate, how I think the best way to litigate is because that has been my background And so my goal in all the new uh, lawyers coming in is to make you not just savvy in writing, because there are some attorneys out there who are like half litigators, right? Like they are amazing, just fantastic academics. And so they litigate beautifully and so strong in their writing. But, you know, they're they're not too, they don't want to, you know, speak in court. And that's, that's very typical of that industry because sometimes you have one, like an attorney, a litigator that prefers to just be keyboard warriors and then other attorneys who actually don't want to write anything and just want to um, speak. And those are typically like trial attorneys or whatever. And then you have the full on litigators who want who are savvy in both areas. And I endeavor to um, create or mold those types of attorneys here who can do both. 
Um, but just the, because that's how I grew up. Um, and so what I would have said to myself getting out of law school and also for those who are, what are we in? We are, I think, September. So, so many of you guys are starting your third year, your last year of law school. And the only thing you're thinking about is I need to pass the bar exam and I need to already have a plan with wherever I'm going to end up because it's strange in California. The bar exam is only administered twice a year and it takes a very long time actually to get your bar results. And that's because traditionally it goes through two two reviewers. So um, Amy is going to begin her last year of law school. She's already started actually. And then she's going to take the bar exam in July and her results happen before Thanksgiving. So it's quite a bit of time. And yeah, it sucks because you can't even enjoy Thanksgiving without like thinking about, did I pass the bar exam? So uh, one of the things I would say is already have a plan as to where am I going to be growing up? You know, where am I going to start my career? And um, that's what I have positioned my young um, uh, lawyers to think about is like, what kind of lawyer do you want to be? And it's okay to hone in on whether you're going to be that lawyer who is very good at writing or, you know, like, and not really want to do the arguing stuff. One of the things that has become very apparent to me is the, the advocacy. And I think that with this type of law, you want to think about as a young attorney, all right, so I'm good at writing or I'm good at oral advocacy or I, I'm good at both. And I want to, I really want to cultivate both. So you think about that, like what are your academic strengths? Because that's the foundation. And then you think about, all right, so what kind of a lawyer do I want to be? Because that dictates the type of advocacy you're able to provide for any client, right? So the your heartstrings, right? I think legally blonde, I don't know. I'm, I might have some really young people out there who haven't seen the seminal um film, but in Legally Blonde, uh, L. Wood's first class, the law professor wrote something, a quote from Aristotle, that the law is without passion, something of that nature. And that's, that's not true. There are, especially in the type of law that we practice, the law is just riddled with emotional conflict. I mean, how, how, how is that? Like how, how could it not be right? That you can be a lawyer without getting your heart pulled in several areas, which does affect your ability to think. So the next thing a young lawyer should be thinking about is, okay, 
what type of law, you know, because the, the passion, the emotional pull at your heartstrings, which ultimately could or could not cloud your judgment really is dictated by what you're practicing. You know, I joke, it's like, you know, actually one of the the areas of law where I ask all my colleagues, I'm like, do you know a tax attorney? Um, guys listening out there, there's a need for tax attorneys. Um, but I, I, so I joke and I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't really see um, a moral uh, turmoil, storm brewing in a tax attorney. And that that's true, right? Um Maybe also when we think about like a little bit more dry areas of law, like, you know, probably workers comp or um, uh, personal injury limited to, I know there's a lot, everybody's going to be like personal injury. That's very like emotional. All right. Okay. Calm down. Like I'm saying personal injury as it pertains to like automobiles that now there's catastrophic personal injury, wrongful death. Yes, those things definitely pull on the heartstrings. We have a lot. So my point is the young attorneys out there, like don't take for granted your ability to master yourself. And I think that if I look back, I would definitely say, you know, to me back then and to young like female attorneys, because I am speaking to female attorneys right now, young, young ones, learn to master yourself because, and I think there have been wise people out there, um, you know, prophets or, or philosophers who have talked about like a, a person who masters himself, masters the world, something like that. That's, that's true. If you can just keep your cool and not lose your shit, I mean, that is the most, um, just the strongest weapon you have in advocacy. And you have to also think about at the end of the day, I've seen so many attorneys where their success and their, you know, drive to advocate is is because they want to win, right? Like so a lot of attorneys, they, they're like, okay, well, I'm here for the client, but I really want to beat opposing counsel. Like they get the high, they get the, they get the endorphin kick from beating uh, the opposing counsel. And that's, that makes sense because our legal system is based upon an adversarial system which contemplates that both sides are equally competent and equally they all have both sides have the same weaponry to you know beat each other up but at the end of the day i would say that anyone who's young who wants to really advocate to think about why you're advocating and that's for the client and so when i say master yourself i mean take away from the facts of your case, uh, the circumstances surrounding your client, and do not add your own judgment, your own bias, uh, your you, you know your own feelings. Because how can you really stand by a client's side if you 
think they're crazy, if you think they're bad. I mean, when you guys really think about it, like there is a constitutional right to for every for every person who uh, you know it has to be in the criminal criminal justice area of the law. Like if you break the law, you are entitled, it's your constitutional right to an attorney. And I think if you've listened, I knew that I, I couldn't compartmentalize like so many of my colleagues who are public defenders or who are criminal defense attorneys. And that's what I mean when I say you need to master so that you can be able to advocate for your client. So that is a huge component in, I think, any young attorney's ability to be a successful attorney is to find, because if you don't align yourself with your client, how can you convince a judge or a jury that they should align with your client? It's very, very obvious when an attorney doesn't believe in their client. It will show in your writing and it will show in your speech. So think about young lawyers out there. What are my skills? What type of law? And how can I master myself for the benefit of my client? Because it's all fun when you are beating on opposing counsel, but at the end of the day, you're doing so on behalf of a client. And if you guys don't know, all of the attorneys in California have a bar card that they sign showing that, you know, they're admitted to practice in the state of California every year. And there's an oath in the back of our bar cards that says that we are existing for the service of the public. We are servants of the public. It is a very honorable um it's an honorable profession. It's one of the oldest professions. So again, third tip, always think about how to master yourself for the benefit of the client. And there's another, you know, segue to uh, me talking about young, what it's like to be a young lawyer, female, but this there's a lot of shared concerns and shared mindsets for for all all women who are aspiring to do more. And it's like, what do you mean, Mel, by do more? And it's like, I don't know, but I do remember what what it was like to be twenty something and to have graduated uh, UC Irvine and then graduated law school and wanting to know like what else, like, what else could I be doing? Like, is this it? And I have gotten actually a lot of inquiries as to, and I love this about Instagram. And I love, I mean, there's, I talk a lot about it. And you heard it from one of the guests uh, in my podcast, Amanda Kohatsu, about the the double-edged sword when it comes to Instagram, like the reach, the beautiful reach to, of, of females and just inspiring, but then also the bad part. But what I love about Instagram is that you are able to 
to talk to so many different, different women, different ages. And I, I do get that question. It's like, well, Mel, you know, you're like here in your profession, like what, how, how did you, how did you get there? And they're not all lawyers. They're really not. They're all different walks. But as I said, I think that when you're a young 20 something year old with um, more with something very, I can't even describe it. It's an intangible desire to do more than what you were studying for. How do you go about it? What is your mindset? And I simply tell all of these 20 something year olds, I'm like, it's your time. It is, it is absolutely your time to be selfish. In fact, as selfish as you absolutely can because it is your right and you only get this opportunity once to be this selfish and there's absolutely nothing wrong to be a young, hungry female in your 20s who is all about you and what you want to do. And then everybody else and everything else, I promise you, is going to comport or fly away from what you're you're doing. And everyone's like selfish and they kind of giggle and laugh about that, but it's like but they get it, right? Like when you're a young woman in your 20s, like you're thinking, you know, you're thinking about you know, like money, you're thinking about positions in your career, you're thinking about love, all of that stuff. And when I say selfish, it is a joke, but it's the best way I can describe how you should act in your 20s, that you should do everything for yourself. And everything else will, I'm seriously, will fall into place. And I can say that because um, among my contemporaries, I'm very, very late. You know, I'm 36 and I've, I have these things that happened in my, um, in my mid thirties. Uh, and so I want to leave you guys with this thought about selfishness in your twenties, meaning, you know, um, if you're dating out there, you know, just date, don't, uh, think too much about your future with, you know, your life partner or whatever. Um, because I mean, you need to meet various people, um, for networking professionally to understand, you know, who ultimately you'll be, you'll end up with and it's okay. You know, don't feel guilty because you're on a one way track and, you know, you feel like you need to split your personality or split your time with friends or significant others, because if they're mainstay, they will stay. Um, and also, uh, be okay with saying no. Uh, that's a huge thing. And we can talk about the gender, um, gender roles ad nauseum to the end of time because there's such a fight about that. I don't know, but it was particularly difficult for me uh, growing up in my 20s to say no. So when I say be selfish, 
saying no all the time. No, 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 no. <laughs> because that no, 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 no will serve you, 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 you. Uh, and the best way to be an independent, powerful uh, female, and I know I'm, there's going to be a cringe here. It's like, well, Mel, what do you define independence as? And I'm, I would say financial independence. And I'm not saying that you know, a lot of people have very weird views of money and they think it's like, you know, evil. It can be if you have a strange relationship with money, but um, money is just to me. And I, I tell this, I'm telling this to you, to you gals out there. Money is just energy. Money is just an exchange. Okay. If you just have this healthy relationship with money, it comes and goes. But if you focus on yourself and you focus about on what you want um, and you as a tool for greater things, um, you'll achieve money. So the focus shouldn't be on, oh, I need, to, I need this dollar amount or blah, blah, blah. Uh, and when I say financial independence, I mean like you're cool, right? Like I, I tell all these girls, like at the end of the day, you're going to get heartbroken. You're going to get like embarrassed. You're going to go through all this stuff, but at least the one thing nobody in the entire world can take from you is yourself, is your career, is your like independence, right? Like how many guys or whatever completely in and out of my life at the end of the day, I paid my bills, could pay my bills, never needed a man you want a man. So when you're able to say that, you're good. So that's just a little sneak peek of a lot of the things that I want to talk to you girls out there in your 20s who are just like, all right, like I graduated, I have kind of like a first job, but how do I, how do I rise? And it's all about this mindset about being selfish, say no. Thank you for listening to the Lawyer Lifter podcast. You can listen to other podcasts at www.lawyerlifter.com or your favorite podcast apps. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.